is June the 5th. Uh, happens to be the birthday of Compass Bible Church, and it's also a day for us to read the Old and New Testament. In our Old Testament reading, we're in 2 Chronicles chapters 17, 18, and 19. Those three chapters are going to cover the life of Jehoshaphat, and uh, maybe you remember that name, if for nothing else, as a old-time interjection, a uh, expletive where people would say, jump in Jehoshaphat, which I'm told is uh, first embedded in a novel back in the day. But uh, the idea of Jehoshaphat should be more than just a uh, word that we've heard our grandma shout, but it needs to be uh, the reminder of God's implantation of a great leader in Israel. Now, I say he's great. He's not without his flaws. He's got several flaws that we're going to read about in chapter 18. But chapter 17 and 19, we get a good picture of his heart for the Lord. He cares about God's word. He cares about God's truth. He's established for 25 years over Israel as Asa's son. And as the fourth king of Judah, he is um, a gift to the nation in many ways and um, reforms the nation. He reforms the courts. He puts people in places, judges who are going to uphold justice, something we desperately need in our day. And and every generation, every nation needs uh, judges that judge justly and uh, care about what is really, truly right and wrong and equity and all the rest. So uh, Jehoshaphat is helpful in uh, many ways as it relates to his leadership over the nation and God chooses to bless in many ways because of the choices in his leadership. Unfortunately, he made some poor choices in the middle of our reading in chapter 18, makes bad alliances, uh, chooses to use uh, matrimony, marriage as a way to build those alliances. So he makes a bad choice about his wife. He makes a bad choice about his advisors in chapter 18. And we see that setting him up really as a uh, some inherent weaknesses in his life and his leadership as king over Judah. That's our Old Testament reading. Our New Testament reading is found in John chapter 15, some very familiar words, I trust for you as a Christian. You've heard these before, you've read them before, you probably quoted them before. And in John chapter 15, you remember the larger context, we are in the upper room discourse, we call it. He's in the upper room, Lord's Supper, washing of feet. He's giving the last uh, set of instructions, all these red letters, these words of Christ before Christ goes to be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and heads to the cross. And these are super important reminders uh, for these apostles as they get into this period of time where they're going to be without Christ. He's going to, of course, die and be resurrected and then after 40 days ascend and leave them physically. And the Spirit of God, as we learned last time, is not going to leave them orphans. That Spirit of Truth, as we see at the end of our chapter 15 reading, is going to be the reason they can be witnesses. Uh, not only the empowerment to say what they should say to their generation, but specifically, as we've seen and will see more of, they've been given the Spirit as a apostles to record and testify to the truth about who Jesus was. And thankfully, as God governed their writing and their record of Christ's life, we have the result of that, the New Testament that allows us uh, to follow in their footsteps as followers of Jesus Christ. Before that, though, the vine and the branches. There's the familiar phrase I wanted to get to. Jesus says, if we're going to bear fruit in the Christian life, we had better abide, that Greek word, to, to hang on to, to, to remain, to stick with it, to have that, that uh, organic relationship with Christ so that we can can bear fruit, be different than we were before, be different and distinct and distinguished from the world. We live a different kind of life because of our relationship to Christ. And if we're going to be fruitful, the Bible says the fine dresser, the father is going to prune those branches. And that doesn't sound uh, good. That sounds painful. And yet it is a good thing because it results in more fruit. The difficulties and the trials and the afflictions uh, that we've learned about in uh, 1 Thessalonians, we're reminded, are really part of God's plan 
to grow us in so many ways in the strength and perseverance and patience and hope that we need as Christians. And of course, in the middle of all that, speaking of trials and afflictions, he says, when the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. So that should be no surprise. Our community imperative today that we find in the New Testament is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, 7, and 8. Uh, remember, Paul has heard good news from Timothy as the messenger uh, and that's why he writes in response to that news, this great book of 1 Thessalonians. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 3, 6, 7, and 8. He says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, he says, For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing firm in the Lord. We live, of course, they're alive biologically. What does that mean? We really live, we find real life, we find great joy, we find vibrancy and vitality and strength in our lives. And nothing makes us happier. It might be a good idiomatic way of saying that when we hear that you're standing firm in your faith. Here was Paul, the messenger of all this information, and he says, you guys love me still. You guys are looking forward to seeing me. You want that teaching in your life. That makes me, you know, really live, he says. Um, and in our distress, he's going through a lot of problems and affliction. He says, we've been greatly comforted by that. So I put it this way, sincerely care about each other's spiritual growth. Sincerely care. How do you do that? Well, you got to communicate like Paul did with the Thessalonians. You got to get that conversation going about spiritual things with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to spend time together. You need to find that real joy when you see good Christian progress in their lives. And you ought to be praying for that progress. And when you hear it, uh, man, you ought to throw a party in some way, at least in your heart, and say, this is really what life is about, seeing my life be the instrument that God uses uh, to cause spiritual growth in other people, or even if it wasn't you. But God is causing spiritual growth in other people's lives, and that is a great cause of rejoicing. So there's our community imperative for today. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue reading through the Bible.